Hello everyone. Hi. <laughs> uh, welcome to another episode of our podcast, Sailing Tropical Dawn. Uh, recording this from um, Mooring in St. Helena. Uh, you might hear some a little bit of wind, some waves, the sound system from the mega big <laughs> catamaran next to us. So you met the people last night and they're very friendly. Uh, also South Africans, by the way. Um, we'll talk this week in the episode about how the passage went. So we finally managed to get to St. Helena. So we'll just chat about the passage from Walvis Bay to St. Helena and all the all that came with it. And we'll, we'll spend at least one. I'm, I'm, I've got a feeling we're just going to spend a few episodes talking about St. Helena. Cause yeah, there's we've a lot been, to... We've been here ah! three ah! days hey! now. Hey, Coco. Coco also says hi. <laughs> um, I feel like this, this, I mean, I already feel there's so much to say. I mean, we've only like experienced the island for a couple of days, but I feel like we'd rather, um, ah! hey Coco, we'd rather give it uh, its own episodes. And since it's still quite fresh now, we'd love to talk about how the passage went. So yeah. The passage from Walvis Bay to St. Helena. The actual final, like the, the third try to get to St. Helena and our first actual like ocean crossing, even though we haven't crossed the o Southern Atlantic completely yet, we're only halfway, or maybe actually even more like one third. It was the first time we actually did a proper crossing. I mean, we, we got the sense of like the beginning of a crossing twice. Yeah. We left on the uh, 7th of April and we arrived on the 19th, 18th of April. Yeah. So it's an 11, 11, 11 day passage, yeah. which is uh, kind of, I mean, when we left, I actually messaged um, people who, who were already on their way, who we met in Walvis Bay, that we take 10 to 12 days. So it was exactly in the middle 11. So that was pretty much as expected. Um, and well, we'll get into the, the nitty gritty of the actual um, trip, but our friends from Cassius were, are here as yeah, well. Yeah, so that's some people. Oh, that okay, sorry, yeah. So Cassius is a catamaran, uh, it's a couple, uh, Richard, who's Australian, and. Um, sorry, what's her name? Uh, Genia. <laughs> Genia, who is Russian, actually. Uh, and, lovely. and Louis. Louis, yeah, yeah who's yeah. crew, but like, yeah. So they're, they're lovely people, actually. had uh, They invited us for a bribe back in Walvis Bay, and actually, they're they're gonna leave tomorrow, but we had a. And they invited us for another bribe today. Last I mean, night. yesterday. Yeah. Last night, so. No, we. Like, I guess it's the first. I mean, we've gotten to know a few other people, but like, yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's the first people we've met now at two different places. Like, which is, I guess, when you're cruising, everyone's kind of going the same route. And so, if you meet someone at one place, the chance of meeting them somewhere else is quite big. So you could meet them again on the other side of the world. But it's it's just a nice feeling to arrive somewhere where you already know people. And, yeah, yeah, and also like I suppose it's. I mean, in Valvas Bay, we. Uh, we made friends with um, some other people on another. We actually don't know what their boat is. Uh, Stefan and Michelle. Yeah, it's an Athena. Yeah. I don't, that's the the type of boat. It's also catamaran. But like this is a. I mean, and and obviously that's that was really wonderful to yeah. spend some time with them. It just feels like we're getting more and more into like the cruising lifestyle. The cruising lifestyle, yeah, especially. And the community, I guess. Yeah, the like community, community part yeah, of it, yeah. Exactly. 
And then I suppose having, uh, we won't say too much, but arriving here, it feels like, okay, now we know it's probably worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, someone who was, before we left, when we were in Hard Bay, and we, we lived, so we lived on, the, on our boats in Hard Bay for over half a year, the marina there. And next to the marina is a um, um, fish and chips shop, like a oh, container, yes. yeah. Muriel's, yeah. and uh, Ken is a manager, like, uh, runs that place, I think. Um, and yeah, we ended up just chatting to him also, because everyone who, who stays at the marina and, like, knows him, and it's like, yeah, no, you should chat to him, one of the other cruisers or people we know, because he's done a, a circumnavigation, so we ended up, like, chatting a lot to him like he gave us some, so much practical advice and the one thing he said like once you arrive in St. Helena you'll know like you'll know everything you need to know you'll have like you'll have mm -hmm. done what I mean you'll have the experience that you need and from there on it'll be um, yeah everything will, will make more sense. I do think that uh, also sorry along the same lines um, one of the other uh, yachts that's here um, on a boat called Moyo, um, Harry, Moyo. Moyo, yeah. yeah, Harry. He said last night that um, that he leaving Cape Town is like the hardest, or leaving I suppose even Volvo's Bay, leaving the coast of Af of Southern Africa is like the one of the hardest things that you can do with, with sailing, the with the weather, and also yeah. the how how you experience it. Um, and it does in that way feel like kind of like a rite of passage like mm. if you can get to well we'll see yeah. when you continue but if it, feel, it does feel like if you can get to St. Helena then it's yeah. so I, I, it's, another friend of yeah. ours Holger who's like been very very helpful he's like been guiding us while we're underway with like chatting to us on our Garmin inReach via satellite text like giving us weather updates he also said like once the closer you get to St. Helena on this passage the easier it gets and once past St. Helena it's just now you're then you're in like the trade wind sailing like it's mm. it's easy it's like not not so rough season also not like it's much more predictable the wind but yeah so the we we talked about our previous passages in the episode passages mm. I think like episode three or something uh, which is where we explained how rough it was and how we were like actually I mean which caused us to actually doubt if we were even doing the right thing and also I mean we broke backstay we had like we had some serious issues uh, so actually that this was the third time we tried to do the passage and three times the first two three days were rough the yeah. first two passages were the only the first two three days and then we had to return because something broke uh, so every time we've tried it it's been rough and everyone we've asked here who sailed this way said the first three days were rough so I yeah. think it's just a given I mean someone said it's like that's why they call it Cape of Storms like yeah. uh, Cape Town because it's just the wind there is is very strong and like yeah and swell and everything, yeah, yeah and it, it is like even I mean what was a bit reassuring is like the, we mentioned there's like a, a big catamaran next to us um, and even they said it was rough. Like they're on like a, a, a like a very big boat, so you would think it's it's easier, but like it's still it's still rough. So it's not. I guess that's one of the doubts we've had. Like, is this? I mean, we've never thought the boat was too small because uh, we chose this boat and we knew it was safe. But I guess at some point, maybe we can get into that now. I was starting to doubt if it was like actually like comfortable. I mean, enough. I mean, if if it was pushing us to our limits too much to for us to actually be, not be able to 
deal with, but be, be wanting to deal with it. Um, so I, I was doubting if it was like, if we just chose a boat that was too small and because of that it was more rocky and more rough, but no, then you hear actually everyone, even in the bigger boats, had like a, a rough time. Yeah, so we, I had a delicious breakfast. I was, we were like, okay, let's oh, yeah. have a so nice when breakfast. We, when we left 12 is big, yeah. I mean the last, yeah. so the Friday morning. We're like, let's have a nice shower on land. At the yacht club. We have a good breakfast, and then we'll go back and like pack up the ninghi and, and then head mm, out. Get, get going. Yeah, um, and my, I had leftover breakfast, um, didn't finish it. And oh, I, it's a pancake stick. Yeah, so breakfast held because it was on land, and then when I tried to, I attempted to have the leftovers for lunch, uh, and that did not hold. <laughs> so it started pretty as in early. as in seasickness and yeah. growing up. Yeah. Um, so just for context, Kia gets quite seasick. I mean, every since, time since we've started sailing, actually, it's made you doubt also of like yeah. what we're doing is actually if you actually can handle it. I mean, not can handle it if it's the yeah, right choice no, for you. Yeah, totally. Um, seasickness. I mean, seasickness. Different people have it different. Some people hardly ever get seasick. Other people get seasick all the time. There are certain um, like remedies. Yeah. Well, remedy is yeah. a big word because I don't think anyone has actually found any solid remedy that works hundred yeah. percent. You actually got a really these these are plasters, which is the best thing you've Had found so until now. Yeah. But even with those, you still you still get seasick. Yeah, I think the difference is like I'm throwing up, but I'm not like feeling all the other like seasickness symptoms. Like maybe you want to describe because uh, I mean some of the people yeah. I mean, some of the people might not have ever been seasick. So it's, I think it's good to describe what's yeah. what it feels like. So. Uh, like the first thing I think would, that comes on is like a slight headache, um, like dry mouth, uh, nausea, and throwing up, obviously. And um, and then one of the things that I also saw that was listed that I didn't even think was a symptom, but that I have definitely experienced is like not wanting to talk, <laughs> like <laughs> like going silent. Um, that's a clear indication of someone who's uh, having or experiencing seasickness. Um, mm. And yeah, so when, when I take the, when I've got the passes on, I still feel like a little bit of, actually I don't really feel the nausea so much, I just am throwing up, like whenever I eat or drink, so. Um, what's the brand of the passes? Scopoderm. Scopoderm for people who might want to try yeah, it out. But it's not available in South Africa, it wasn't it actually, available in Namibia, and I think it's only available in, in Germany or maybe yeah, in other European do. countries. So, um, luckily our friend, um, hooked us up with, with a few of those and uh, I mean I'll talk, should I say a bit about the oh yeah so when you the thing the funny thing about it is like I have mm. quite a lot of hallucina hallucinations it actually mentioned it in yeah. the like it's strong stuff it's like also the other thing is it's a, so it's a patch it's a what do you call it a plaster, a plaster yeah. like that like so it releases the medicine like slowly but if you touch it with your finger and then you touch your eye, you actually dilate your pupils like radically. It's like it's it's pretty mm -hmm. strong stuff. And uh, like Kate told told me, uh, like when she read the um, the contraindications, yeah, it's like yeah. hallucinations. It's like wow, that's <laughs> like. But yeah, 
that's, that's it's pretty strong stuff. Like this, I think it's the strongest stuff you can get for seasickness. Yeah, which is what some of us need. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the hallucinations are pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> because they offered a little bit of relief, I guess, from the throwing <laughs> the distraction. up. Distraction. Yeah, like um, again, hearing lots of voices and singing, and uh, and then when I was on my shifts, I take like micro naps, and whenever I close my eyes, there would be like. Uh, I would be having running conversations, like full-on conversations, even in a different language that, that I couldn't even understand, like like I was watching TV or something like that, um, which was quite entertaining. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, great, so it's time for my nap again. We'll see what's <laughs> happening on this, this the channel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty cool, but um, we were both quite sick for the first few days. So yeah, so uh, so we left when we left. Uh, what was actually was. was quite interesting as we we left we actually had lucky that the wind was like in the right direction so we could raise the sails quite quickly even before we were out of the bay as we were leaving the bay there was like a big container ship oh, yeah. right behind us actually we they didn't actually, see it until <laughs> i mean i Kay saw it and she thought it was an anchor but it was like basically chasing us down i knew there was a ship coming out because you have to radio to port control to ask for permission to leave and they said please be aware of, of traffic in the channel and I, so I was kind of aware of it, but I was staying out of the channel, but like this, so in like lots of harbors and it depends on like how much space there is, but usually there's a, a channel which is for the, which is dredged, it's like deeper. So the big ships go in the channel with a smaller boat, you stay out of the channel, you actually have to stay out of the channel. Uh, and then there are traffic separation schemes, which is basically uh, like a, you could see it as a two-way highway on on the water it basically means boats going in one direction take one side boats in the other direction take another side it's kind of like a channel but slightly different and in uh, Wolves Bay in between the channel and those traffic separation scheme there's like basically what I would call a traffic circle there's like a buoy in the middle and that's like kind of where the channel goes and then from that channel you go into traffic separation schemes but it also means as a small boat you have to go through there because you can't go through the traffic separation schemes or the channel so I was heading straight for that, and obviously that boat in the channel was also heading straight for that, and it actually actually honked its horn because we were like gonna like he wasn't sure we saw him, so that was already a bit of excitement. It wasn't dangerous or anything. Yeah. It's not like we got close, but uh, it was actually quite a lot of traffic as we we left. But then yeah, we set off. Um, not exactly in the right direction because the wind was blowing us a bit off course, but I think in the the first half day I think we ended up leaving about Friday around noon the first half day was like quite was still it wasn't too too rough there was yeah. like enough wind but not too much wind the swell like the waves was wasn't too bad and I think I think it was from like Saturday morning that it started to get rougher and we started to get like waves from two directions at the same time which always makes it very uncomfortable yeah uncomfortable leads to seasickness also yeah. it's because it's unpredictable normally if you have waves you can kind of anticipate what the waves gonna do and your body can kind of yeah like react to it but like and that's I think why I got seasick and I've heard that from a lot of people who never like who hardly ever get seasick if conditions are like that almost everyone gets seasick it's yeah. just very rough so that started on Saturday then the winds we knew the wind was gonna pick up but like we got quite a bit of wind not not crazy. I don't think even know if it was as much as we had on the previous passages, but like yeah, quite strong winds. Now waves coming from two directions, so it was like pretty rough. But we, I guess we, 
we knew how to set the boat up, so it didn't mm -hmm. feel unsafe. It yeah. just felt very uncomfortable. Yeah. And then I started to get seasick on Saturday and Sunday. I was just completely out. I was like throwing up like every time. So for me, I actually, maybe I'll describe how seasickness, I mean, yeah. it's the same symptoms, but for me, like the one thing I notice is my concentration goes like completely gets lost. Like you can't, or if you really have to, like if there's something that needs happening, you can concentrate on it for a little bit yeah. and it pushes away the seasickness. But then as soon as you stop doing that, it's like, full on like uh, like everything like yeah just throwing up and like completely being out like not being able to do anything uh, so I didn't take seasickness tablets or any medicine because okay. I usually don't need it uh, and I think on Sunday Kay kind of like kept the boat afloat because she was I didn't feel that way to me just so I know you said it a few times now but like it didn't feel like I was you doing were, more than you, you, you at were, all you were more I think you were more able to like just do the the routine of like keeping watch I think you kept most of the watches so normally when we we sailing like we do four hour on four hour off watch so each of us is like on watch which basically means the boat steer like is steering um, with autopilot so you don't need to steer but you have to obviously keep an eye on on other boats on making sure everything stays safe so it's not like you're constant like busy busy but you have to be at least awake or if you are sleeping like wake up every 20 minutes half an hour to just check that everything is fine uh, but I felt like on Sunday I think I didn't do any watches I think or like barely oh I don't know because I was probably sleeping yeah, <laughs> yeah. anyway <laughs> like we, we well we managed and yeah. like we yeah I mean we've obviously got our AIS and like, so, it, so yeah, yeah for people who don't yeah. know marine stuff AIS is um, a system where it sends out via radio where you are the information on the boat so it says the name of the boat uh, how big you are which direction you're sailing you're going and how fast and it picks that up from other boats and it, it calculates in itself like if two boats are gonna hit each other or not and if they do they will get an alarm that only works for other boats that have AIS, but I think nowadays most boats that go out into the ocean have AIS. If they don't transmit AIS, so there's two parts of it, like it has to send your information and then others can receive it. So we transmit and receive, but some boats only receive. Anyway, so we can see boats coming from afar on, on our screen. computer screen, on our chart plotter screen. And it will actually tell us exactly how close we'll get and well, when, and, and and if we get too close, it will give an alert. That, and like, as in too up. close, being how many kilometers? Well, that's that's how it, you set that in in uh, the thing. Okay. But for us, I think we set it to one nautical mile, which is a thousand eight hundred meters, which sounds far, but like in the middle of the ocean, it's very close. And actually, maybe we can talk about the, the container ship. I think that was on Saturday or Sunday. The one you handled, or, uh, or was that later? Yeah. So you could, we could see container ship like coming. I mean, we could see something coming, and then I check it. It's like, and you can see all the information on the ship. So it's at like 325 meters long. So it's a massive, massive ship, um, and you can see that it's like you can see from the on the screen that we're coming kind of the same direction, but it can be hard to judge how close you'll get. Mm -hmm. So then you can actually look at the the screen and say what is the closest point of approach which basically means how close will you to each other will you get 
and that one was gonna be one nautical mile or even less and we were sailing so the rules of, of uh, on maritime rules are um, that sail boats under sail of um, right-of-way to boats and engine because with the engine you can maneuver much more easily and with the sail it's like quite hard especially the way we were sailing is downwind it doesn't it's not that easy to change course because then you'll jibe and anyway so we I radio the, the captain of the ship and I'm like yeah um, I believe we're on a collision course and he's like no we're not we're actually our closest point of approach is one nautical mile so if you keep your course and speed we'll past each other about one nautical mile and I'm trying to explain to the ship is like we're a sailboat we don't have constant speed like if the wind is more we go faster if it's like the, it constantly changes so you can't rely on that we actually will only will pass each other about one nautical mile we could just as well crash into each other because the thing calculates it by your current speed but the speed is constantly variable but he was just like no basically it's like no there's no problem we, we're just gonna carry on which basically is because he didn't want to change his big container ship which is on the one hand understandable but according to the rules of maritime rules he has to change because if he crashes into us it's it's his fault so he had to say that it wasn't a problem and yeah anyway I've, I've thought about it like what is like basically he's technically breaking those the law but like yeah what first of all what are you going to do about it second of all is like if he if he says there's not a problem and I say there is a problem, like who's right? Anyway, doesn't doesn't really matter. But that, I think uh, it just shows something. Like I, I remember when I told colleagues when we were, that we were going sailing, and like some someone asked, like how does it actually work? Like in the middle of the ocean, like is there any traffic rules? It's like yeah, there are rules, but like there's no one to enforce them. It's only like if you crash into each other and it ever comes to a court case. Which if you crash into each other, there will be a court case, maritime uh, court. Uh, Admiralty called it, court it's actually called and then they will investigate that but like anyway by that like as I said like if we would crash into that container ship or they crashed into us like that container ship would not even notice it and there would be nothing left of us so like <laughs> it would never probably come to court because no one would ever know what happened not that that was a, an actual reality like just for, the, for our friends and family like there's no risk of that we actually we have AIS, sorry, I'm going on a bit of a rant about AIS. So AIS works really well because of that, like we could avoid it. But anyway, in the end, I had to just change course a bit because we were getting very close. Um, but it just, like, I, I, just, I just took note of it because it's like, and I've heard from, the weird thing is you're crossing an ocean and you've got like a whole ocean and you won't see ships for days. And then you see one ship and it exactly is gonna like we had it twice that it actually that the ship was like real exactly like gonna like we're gonna be in less than a nautical mile from each other it's like what are the chances yeah it's like it's so weird but like anyway AIS works really well and like the, that's why we have it um, and apart from that we keep a watch so even the boats that don't have AIS will we check the horizon and yeah. we we make sure we're safe yeah. but yeah so sorry I just wanted to like go on a little cool. bit on the engine about AIS because I think I think it's such an amazing technology and strangely enough like some of the people we know that are sailing said like oh no I don't have AIS transmitter because like one person said like I don't want people to know where I am it's like you're in a little boat in the middle of the ocean why wouldn't you want to know where you are but anyway I guess different people have different ideas but like for for me I AIS is the best technology 
that's one of the things um, we installed actually on the boat, the transmitter for AIS, because we had an AIS receiver, which like I said, then other boats, uh, we can see other boats, but they wouldn't see us, so I definitely wanted a transmitter so that they could see us too. Uh, oh yeah, and the other part, uh, even before that happened, the uh, fishing boats. That was also quite, a, that was an opposite interaction, remember? Oh yeah, that, I was going to say, yeah, that was quite sweet because um, uh, Demi saw uh, boats on the horizon, like not too far, you can actually see the name, right? Yeah, it was Opa... Oh, it was Oem Jan. Oem Jan or Opa Jan, yeah. which is basically yeah. in Afrikaans like Uncle Jan yes. or gra Granny Jan. Yeah, the yeah. Granddad Jan, so it's like, okay, that, that's got to be a, a fishing boat, like <laughs> a name like that. <laughs> Uh, but we like it was at some point it's it, uh, the AIS. Yeah, it was quite early on, like day yeah, three or something. Yeah, yeah, I think that was before the container ship. Uh, the AIS said we were gonna collide, but then it actually changed. But they actually radioed us, so the like it's, it's so your your radio is always on channel 16, which is the international like um, emergency uh, channel on VHF, but also just the channel you use to talk to each other. Uh, and they just called us by our name because they could see on the AIS what our name was. Uh, and then he just said like, yeah, we can see you. And just like, so I thought it was just like, you know, when you get close to each other, you just radio just to make sure the other boat has seen you. And if you need to avoid, like just to talk about that, like I said about the container ship. So I thought it was going to be a call like that. And then it's like, yeah, where are you going? And like, uh, yeah, just like this friendly, friendly chat. And it turned out it's, uh, was a fishing boat. I don't know how long they'd been at sea, but they were going to be at sea for nine more days. And they, that was just their fishing ground, so they're just like staying, which is like about, like, yeah, I think we were about two days out at sea, like it's probably about 300 nautical miles, like 400 kilometers away from sea, like in the ocean. And yeah, there's just people who like, that's their life, like fishing, like. Um, and yeah, it was just so nice to hear someone just have a chat with us and just wishing us like, uh, bon voyage and yeah so that was that was pretty cool i'm not so sure like we were completely like enthusiastic at the time because we were feeling quite rough yeah but it, we, we did appreciate like no, just it was, the, it was the nice. sentiment of it and uh, i mean I, I guess it's like also it's interesting to see like how a container ship obviously how a container ship works is much different than how a small vessel works you're all using the same ocean but like that there's like much more in common between fishing boats even though they're motoring and sailboats because you're like a small boat and like in the middle of the ocean it's just i don't know i don't know like i think my experience with the container boat was like quite, yeah. quite good okay yeah because uh, also i was on a night shift around it must have been like midnight to 4 a.m and uh, i saw a boat <coughs> come up on the screen and obviously i got panic yeah. <laughs> because on the screen like it looks like it's well, at one point it looked like it was like one centimeter or something away, but, but it's actually... Yeah, the scale of it is, it's yeah. like basically it's like 10 nautical miles away, but it's hard to see on the screen the how scale. far that is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I radioed the guy and I think he must have like picked up on my panic or something because he's like, no problem, I'll, I'll go like a take a wide berth around you and he was uh, like no, super friendly no there was yeah there was the only other yeah. boat that was like at, yeah. uh, that was definitely not as big a container ship but they actually did take like uh so there's like okay i'll go behind you and then and then you could see them yeah. change course and they were actually super friendly yeah so i mean i mean i think there were days when we didn't see any boats at all yeah i think like, this at some point there were like two three days where you didn't, didn't see, see any 
And not only boats, like even animals. Like, yeah, so once you get yeah. further away from the... Like I think the first three, four days you could still see birds. Uh, but like at some point you stop seeing birds because you're so far from land that the, there's no birds even there anymore. But and you're just in the ocean, like, yeah, just going the same direction for literally for days. Which is like, that is what ocean sailing is, but like it's it's... It's one thing to read about it or understand what it is, and another thing to actually be be on the ocean. Yeah, it did feel very bizarre to not see like any ocean life. But apparently, that's quite normal for parts of it. For yeah. this for this uh, passage, um, and yeah, I think it's, we only got to have like a wash on like day five or something. <laughs> yeah, closer to the end because we realized we, we had enough water and also I guess we were starting to feel like very salty, crusty, sweaty, like uh, we needed we needed a little wash. And by then we'd uh, gotten over our first few days of seasickness because yeah, our body we, had... Yeah, we were yeah. getting into that rhythm of... Uh, so by the way, I actually also, um, after three days, I just also got one of the patches and I must say those hallucinations is real, like it's... <laughs> I mean, what Kay was describing, hearing things and seeing things, that's I think I always also get that when you're at night watch because you're so tired and like the boat always makes sounds so you 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 start hearing conversations i think that's not actually the part of the hallucinations that's just like being on night watch but there was definitely something else with the hallucinations where i actually saw things and like it was it's pretty oh. pretty trippy stuff like i could see people <laughs> like abusing this stuff for like the for the side for effect recreationally because it's like yeah it's it's, it's I mean, I quite think, strong stuff I think there was quite a few times where i was like having conversations with demi in my head and then i would like take the conversation outside of my head and, and ask him like so what do you like yeah. i would ask him like so what what do you say or whatever and then he and then he'd be like huh like he'd be <laughs> he sleeping or something and then or I'd be like, I, like, like i didn't she didn't say anything or i didn't definitely respond to anything yeah. so yeah. there's quite a few times i think that, yeah. that happened but anyway um what were we saying oh yeah or wash oh yeah it was quite nice because it's a nice sunny day and feeling so much better and we were sitting outside in the cockpit and we decided to just throw a bucket over and the water so we was first so used, warm. We used salt water first because yeah. we didn't want to use up too much. So we did a little bucket wrench with salt water which is like kind of like when you're long distance sailing. You, you try to preserve, not your preserve water. water. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, by that time we were like, I think the water was like... 28.5 yeah, degrees or like something. It's, yeah. Actually it even, was even warmer than where we are now here in St. Helena. It was actually like tropical mm. warm water. And yeah, it's just also the, the color of the water. I think mm, after a few days oh yeah. it changed to this, where here on St. Helena, it's also like that very dark blue. But obviously when you're in the middle of the ocean, you don't notice. I mean, we noticed it seemed very clear because if there's waves, you could almost see through the waves. Mm. And now that we're here, it's like, the it's, it's hard to describe, but the water is like a very dark blue, but it's like so clear. You can see like the, the bottom of the, you can see the rocks like five mm. meters down. It's like, it's super clear and super dark at the same time. It's it's really amazing. Yeah. It's really uh, like especially since we're coming from Cape Town, where the water is cold and usually very um, murky. Almost. Murky, like you can't see like yeah. a few centimeters deep. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was quite quite special. And then our bucket oh, washer. Yeah. Also, um, before we, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but before we left, our gas stove packed up, so we had to do cooking. On a paraffin stove, and we almost set our kitchen alight. 
Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to mention it, but there was, there was a, so if you, the paraffin stove we use is a little camping stove, so, but we, we, we put it on our, our gimbal, gimbal stove, stove. Yeah. but it's still, it's like a little bit shaky, but it, normally it, it works, but the thing is, if, if you don't know paraffin stoves, you have to preheat them, and then you, you like, at some point <laughs> there's like a, a yellow flame that, that like, and you have to get past that yellow flame, heat it up more, and then it'll actually give a, a blue flame. But at some point, the yellow flame just got bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we were like on it. I we mean, were both it awake and no, it wasn't. Yeah. I don't think it ever was dangerous, but we did use uh, our, our fire blanket to put it out, and it did give us a bit of a scare. But I don't. I'd w just for everyone listening, <laughs> it wasn't dangerous. It wasn't like. I mean, I wasn't panicking. It just looked a bit scary, but it never felt like it was out of control. Yeah. Because we, we reacted we the right way. Yeah. Um, but then we didn't use a paraffin stove for like two days. Because <laughs> we were like... just a bit anxious. Yeah. Um, and like cooking on the passage is quite tricky because yeah. the boat's moving so much. You're still adapting to being yeah. on the water. And like it's really, really exhausting to yeah. have to do any kind of task at all. Um, so uh, cooking, we didn't really do much on the passage yeah, we itself. Just we just some ate some food or some. Yeah, we've learned how to like really pump out the, well pump up the canned food to make it mm. like delicious. Yeah, we did lose a lot of weight. I mean, I lost a lot of weight. I, I feel like I've lost no weight <laughs> at all, even though, even though there was Puke, a lot of uh, puking and eating. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely lost like my little my, my pouch ahead. Your like, bare pouch. Yeah, which actually already started before we left. Cape Town and it's been building up as we were building like living on the boat I, I think the thing was like as we've been living aboard like it's I guess it gets a little bit boring or I don't know like you get into this habit of where you just eat food for like as a comfort and yeah. like that's like and uh, just eating more than I mean like yeah I gained some weight but like yeah now it's it's gone um, what else? Oh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, mm. you were talking about the bucket wash later that day, or that night actually, yeah. the big um, oil rig that passed us oh, by. Yeah. That was like, I think it was while you were on watch? It was during the day actually. During the day it started to come past yeah. us. Like, and I think you, you, you told me, it, mm. it says like uh, deep water Titan. Titan. Yeah. It's like that's like, I mean, deep water to me, that sounds like a... a um, yeah, oil rig, oil rig, yeah. deep, like a deep water oil uh, oil rig. Uh, so it actually passed us by like by six nautical miles or ten, mm. or quite far, but still close enough to see it. It actually like smote it past us, and then I think in the evening or something, I was like just watching the horizon and I see this big thing. It's like what? What the hell is that? And Kay's like, yeah, no, that's the oil rig that came past us. It's actually so it's an oil rig that's being moved, but it's moving faster than the boat, and it's this. I mean, we saw a few of them in Walvis Bay, where they were um, working on them or like, uh, re, like, uh, I mean, fixing them up or whatever. So they are like, when you see them close to sea, they are massive, massive things. Even there, like, they look like out of this world. Like, it's oil rigs are just like so big when you see them up close. But it's so weird to see one in the middle of the ocean, especially if you haven't seen anything for days. And you feel like you're all alone in your little boat in the ocean and then all of a sudden this massive oil rig comes past. It's like, I don't know, it felt so surreal. I was looking at it for ages through the binoculars thinking like, what the hell is this? Because it looked so 
It's a big it's block like piece, and it's like a towering yeah. thing. Like it's it's higher than it's wide, which is not normal for for a boat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but on this on this trip, we had quite a few. Like I think it's it's happened a few times before, like where we really question our mm. decisions and and uh, our choices. <laughs> I think we can say now. Yes. Like. Yeah, so on, on the Monday morning, which is just before I took the seasickness tablets, after I'd been seasick for like two days, I actually told Kay, like, okay, look, when we get to St. Helena or to Brazil, we're just turning around, we're going back to Cape Town. This is like, like, I mean, and the thing is, Kay has been like, at certain points in the, in, in the last few years, while we were getting ready for this, has had like serious doubts. Mm -hmm mainly because he gets seasick but also just like i mean i guess it's normal to have doubts mm -hmm. but still just for me getting seasick that badly was just for me it's like okay nah like this is not worth it i mean the interesting thing is in the previous episodes we've talked a bit about it while we were in walvis bay and on the way to work this journey has been hard and we've mm -hmm. doubted if we were making the right decisions for a while first of all like I, yeah, I guess just if we were enjoying this, if this is actually, if it's worth all the effort we're putting in, because it's like, we haven't, we haven't, we hadn't until now seen the beautiful side of, of, mm. of cruising, where you come to these beautiful destinations and you, you meet these amazing people and you're in places you would never otherwise go. But like, as, as was, I, I guess mo maybe also for me, uh, I'd done a few like longer sales i actually did one longer sale like uh, where uh, i was helping with the delivery of a friend's sailboat from Kibera to cape town which was like a three four day sail along the coast of south africa but quite far offshore where at some point you don't see the the shore and i loved it like I, for me that was like when it's like oh no this is what i want to do and now we were actually doing it on our own boat and we were like doing an actual passage and i just felt nothing i felt like I felt so empty and it's like I'm not getting any joy out of this mm. and it's just been so hard and it's like why are we even doing this to ourselves like we've got nothing to prove to ourselves or to the world like why like just doubting like wh why are we doing this mm. and I was like convinced that we were just gonna I mean we couldn't just turn back there and then but it's like no we'll like once we get to St. Helena we'll just reroute to uh, Cape Town. We just go back. We'll either we sell the boat or we keep the boat or, or we, we we do something else because this is not this is not fun. <laughs> and I think we both. Um, I yeah. think I felt more like that because I remember you like in the days after mm -hmm. asking me if I still felt that way, and I was like, no, no, this is the right thing. Like, uh, and now in my head I was just like, no, we're just finishing. Like we just we need to bring the boat back to Cape Town. We can't just leave it at Saint Helena. Uh, I mean. You could get someone else to sail it back, but that wouldn't make sense to me. I feel like also it's me as a skipper. Mm. I feel responsible to bringing the boat back. It's like no, we're doing that, and and that's it. Like, and then after that, we might sail along the coast or do other things, or I don't know yet now. But like, I was actually looking forward to Going go home. back back to Cape yeah. Town, and I guess I'm just, I mean, this part of it is that the trip was so. Actually, this this voyage wasn't that hard, but I guess it just it always is hard. Yeah. It was less hard than the previous yeah. ones we've done, yeah. but it just pushes you to 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 question what you're doing. Um, so I was actually convinced until the day before we arrived in Saint Helena. Then I was like, well, maybe we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if we <laughs> what we'll do. And now that we're here, it's actually it's like, and also now that we're talking to other people here, like like I said, like other people have done either have done this passage just with 
like as new cruisers of people who've been cruising for a long time i think everyone when when you talk to them they admit this there's always going to be moments like where you completely like question what you're doing and it's like why the hell am i doing this which i think is, is part of the experience i mean but yeah um so yeah uh, we actually were even like so we were in, in chatting to our family and, and friends and like keeping in touch with everyone via uh, Garmin inReach but we're like oh we're not gonna message them now to say that because it's like it's a bit difficult to communicate and also I guess Kay was like also I was I was I, I knew that the that pa passage was taking a toll and I, and I knew that we might, we might feel differently rethink, yeah. yeah when we arrive and that's exactly what happened yeah so yeah. that's why we didn't luckily didn't say that we were gonna turn back uh, but yeah, and then as I guess as we got closer, and like I guess after like about you know, a week, like you actually you you're used to the rhythm of like uh, we ended up like normally we 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 started off with doing uh, and we we discussed that we were gonna do four hours on four hours off shifts, and I was gonna do the twelve to four, k four to eight, and so on. So we had like agreed that that was going to be the easiest but as we were doing it we realized like actually sometimes you feel awake and, and now you're supposed to go off shift but you can't sleep and the other person is actually sleeping perfectly well and we actually I think we respect each other's enough and we also are vocal enough to say like okay now I need to sleep please take over yeah. or now actually I don't want to I'm actually going to take the next watch or you're going to stay on watch till like I'm too tired mm -hmm. and it worked much better for us so it's, yeah. it's what we've discovered like actually our watch keeping is just more free flow and it, it ends up being like we still end up doing I think four hour watches yeah. it's just not not as strict as like it was quite nice because I think a few times we got five hours sleep mm, yeah. or six hours yeah um, and and I've actually enjoyed some of the watches where I was like really awake and then I'll just put on a audiobook or, or even listen to some music on, on the headphones and actually yeah feeling like quite awake and then and then yeah once you get tired that's usually when the other person has just had their nap because when you're on passage you can't really sleep much longer anyway your body doesn't allow you to sleep longer so you actually get the right amount of sleep and then usually when you like really feel like now I need to have some rest then the other person's ready to take over so that worked really well I think I think it was also like we were very respectful of that like mm. And so also, I think there I, any issues about, yeah. yeah, I think we also, I mean, trusted each other enough to like know that the other person wouldn't say like I'll take this shift just to to be nice or to when they couldn't. Like we actually, I think that's yeah. that's been a big part of it because I think that's why normally you have to keep watches because otherwise, some persons will, people will like take more watches than they're actually capable of because they feel. Anyway, uh, it's like uh, there's there's a reason why you have a normally a watch keeping schedule, but like that's I think if you're more people and maybe also if, if you don't know each other as well, but yeah, because we 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 looked we researched a lot of like what's the right watch keeping schedule and like it's, it's something we thought about a lot and we like talked discussed it and when we did the previous passages we tried out different things so we actually agreed four hours on four hours off because it's just the two of us made the most sense, but yeah. This is what we've, what has come, like you know, we figure out that that works, and I think from now on we'll probably just keep doing it like that. Yeah, I think, and then to just close, I think, yeah. like I think we just want to go back to 
we having the braai last night on the boat oh, yeah. and how refreshing it was to hear that the other people <laughs> with all their different sized boats and different, different number of crews and like how more or less experienced yeah. than us they all having the same experience actually like yeah. like and you just when you talk about that it, it's like yeah exactly i mean it's like there's this recognition that that's yeah. just like part of it everyone's experienced that i think uh, like a, um Richard from Cassia said that he's at times just stood out on the on the bow of the boat and, and, and screamed out, "I hate sailing!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the the, the people from the sub, uh, yeah. from HQ, the yeah. other boat that's here, um, they the, the skipper was very honest about his fears and discomfort with sailing and yeah. and how uh, it like scares him a lot. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like we're all doing. We're all in it together. <laughs> yeah, you're doing the same yeah. thing, even like even if you're taking different routes yeah. and you're on different sized boats yeah. and and some have crew, some don't, some do it with their family, some mm -hmm. do it like just some people do it, but it's a solo. It's like you're all doing the same thing. I guess the thing I also wanted to go back to, like just a few days before we arrived, I think we then it then actually we fell so much in, into. Uh, a into a rhythm. Yeah. Unfortunately, the last two days there was not enough wind, and we decided to motor, which is not ideal. But it actually turned out to be even that being okay. Like we're motoring normally is like really, really not nice. I mean, as you're sailing, like you you don't want to use a motor if you don't have to. But we decided actually because if we didn't motor we wouldn't keep the the same speed and then we weren't we, there was a big risk that we would arrive at night and around the time we were we were arriving which was like new moon so it's like pitch black actually at night you don't see anything actually you see the reflection of the stars in the water because the stars are the only thing that's lit up at, at like so in, in even in the ocean it's 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 quite scary if you wouldn't have AIS you would like or like you you can't you can't see anything like. can't even see the ocean yeah, yeah uh, so we definitely did not want to arrive here at night because it would be really dangerous and then for like the only thing that made sense was to for me was to motor so we, we would make so I could exactly because when you you put the engine on you know exactly how fast you're going so you can exactly calculate when you would arrive and we arrived exactly within like half an hour of when we said we we planned two days ahead of when we would arrive so that that worked out well but i think also i mean maybe also as i want to talk a little bit about as we were approaching mm -hmm. saint helena so we uh holger actually told us that we would be starting to see saint helena from quite far and then kate told me like i think i see it and she gave me the binoculars so i'm expecting to see this little speck at the horizon but then i see this contour which is already quite big but it was there was a cloud cover so we couldn't actually see clearly, clearly yeah. you could see some contour like, shape, like yeah. a, 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 which was already like big enough to see without uh binoculars uh which is, is like a, yeah a big big rock in the middle of of the ocean which is quite amazing too like i mean you know it's going to be there but still to see it like after this many days also just before that like i think the day before we started to see a few more birds i think we saw some tropical birds and then just as we were like i think the last like 15 nautical miles or something like the last half day then all of a sudden we saw first we saw birds like all uh, fishing so you know there's gonna be a lot of fish which often means there's uh, seals or dolphins there and then we see one seal uh, one dolphin and we see more dolphins and we see like <laughs> I don't know it looked like hundreds of dolphins yeah. and also it's different dolphins than we've seen before they're a little mm. bit bigger they're like 
very dark, yeah. a little speckled, and like very, more like a, a straight fin, like the, the ones we saw in Cape Town are smaller and have more rounded fin. Like beautiful, and then they start swimming around the the boat, and that's when we really realize how, how clear the water is, because mm. they're swimming like three meters below us, and you can perfectly see them, like mm. you can see their the white on their belly, which actually turned out to be barnacles, mm. like glistering in the sun, and like, yeah, they were like like so many dolphins and they were all swimming with us like guiding us to the island it's like yeah so it was a very very amazing like very special um experience and then i think as we were like so the 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 town jamestown which is like the main the, the main town on the island i think there's like sort of three villages on the town but on the island but like there's five thousand people living here it's it's tiny but like jamestown is where where you you anchor. Um, just in case, just pointing at some birds. Yeah. So, which is on the far side of the island, which makes sense because the wind blows in the same direction the whole time. So, you, where where we are, it's also the only place where you could actually go on land, because the rest is just steep rocks, like hundreds of meters high. Uh, is on the other side of the island from where we, the where we arriving. So, as you get closer, you just see this this massive rock. I mean, it's just like it looked. Kay said it looks like a volcanic, basically. Yeah, but well, but it is a volcanic yeah, island. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it but actually looks volcanic. But it looks volcanic, it, yeah. but it's like quite worn out. But you can see the layers. It looks like very. Um, it, apparently, it's like one of the oldest uh, islands or pieces of land in the like on the globe. Like it's 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 a very old uh, volcanic island that has been withered. Like has been like the the wind and the rain has like taken it down. But it's like steep steep hills on 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 especially the side you approach it from but still there's like parts where like the 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 layers are horizontal and parts where it goes like one direction it's like it looks just like rock but on the other hand as you're coming past it it also has so much variety in it and i mean Corcade reminded her of um game of thrones, game of thrones yeah. especially we watched the the ones about the dragons yes. like uh, the what is it called anyway? So yeah, Kay was like really imagining that like, scene. It's like this is really a dragon island. <laughs> Even took out your uh, harmonica to try to play the theme song. Yeah, very badly. <laughs> I actually made a video of it. We'll have to put it it's, on Instagram. Do not get excited. It does I, not sound anything like it. And I was not really. I don't know how to play that song. So no, know. but it was just very nice yeah. to be like to actually come like around the island and see it. But until you go around the island, you don't actually see any. I mean, we saw from very far, you could see a few houses, but it's very hard to distinguish. Mm. So until you come around, you don't see any boats, any um, any life. Like, it's like, even is this island even inhabited? Like, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, coming around here, yeah. Anyway, we'll, 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 we'll talk a lot more about St. Helena itself, because there's so much to say about it. I mean, even now, just after being here three days, we feel like... Yeah, this place is like, I mean, we'd heard it's a special place because it's, it is like one of the most remote places in the world. It's like 2,000 kilometers on all sides ocean. I think there's one island, which is actually 3,000 kilometers to the south of here, which is even smaller and even more remote. Interestingly enough, that's the most remote island in the, in the world. And the closest thing to it is St. Helena, which is the second most remote island in the world. It's, but yeah. 
anyway, also just people living. I mean, yeah, there's, the there's, there's so much to talk about yeah. that, that I don't even want to get into it because it's like it's it's. Also, we we've just experienced a little bit of it, so I feel like we wouldn't do it justice. Um, but yeah, uh, enough to say is that we'll we'll actually we'll see how long we spend time we spend here. We don't know yet, but we ended up spending three months in Walvis Bay, which was I mean, it was. I don't want to like talk badly about Walvis Bay because we enjoyed the time there, but there's uh, hardly anything to do there, and it's like a big, it's a harbor. Yeah. So if we spend three months there, it makes sense to spend more time here, but we don't know yet. We'll have to see what how it works out. But like, mm. it does feel like we want to spend a spend bit of time, bit here, of time yeah. here, also because we're not in a rush to continue our journey. Not just because it's been rough, because the next steps will be easier, but because we've. Uh, Mr. Uh, we were, uh, like the Caribbean is going into hurricane season, so we can't go to the Caribbean now. So we'd have to actually pace ourselves to only arrive in the Caribbean by November, which is the end of the hurricane season. The hurricane season will start next month. It hasn't started yet, but uh, we, you def we definitely do not want to be there for hurricane season. And I mean, there's enough places to see in South America, and I mean Brazil. We can spend time there, but like it feels like now that we're here, we'd rather to spend as much time as we feel like until we feel like that we we want to continue yes. but we will well unless things drastically change we will continue on <laughs> as we were planning towards Brazil and then the Caribbean and beyond that the, well, we'll see we'll see I mean and even that might still change as we're doing it yeah but please uh, join us for next week's podcast yeah. because we're really excited to tell you about St. Helena Island yeah. because we've already, I mean, we've been here for well, like, three days. It's our third day and it feels like we've been here for over a week because we've spoken to so many people. We yeah, know boats, a, boats, quite boats a, cruisers, and, yeah. and like local people. And, and it's, yeah. we've actually only really seen like the first, the, the the center of, of mm. Jamestown like we haven't walked any further so we haven't even gone inland or no. seen, seen more of it but yeah it is I mean I, like I feel like if more people knew about this place yeah. like which maybe is why it's so special because no one actually knows about it or it's like it's so so hard to get here there is an airport and you can fly here but the flights are quite expensive but I would say like yeah I would yeah, we'll describe it further and, and you'll see, but like I, I would say like even if you don't sail and if you want to go on a, on a holiday somewhere, I mean, it's such an amazing place. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, Next week. Yeah. Uh, so for every, anyone who wants to stay in touch with us, uh, we'll post all our contact details uh, in the comments. Um, but for now, we don't. there's no... Internet. internet here or no well there is <laughs> wi-fi at a few places costs a lot of money um so we're just going to use that to upload the episodes maybe some, some photos and stuff on instagram but if you want to contact us or garmin inreach is is on and we'll put the contact details in there so feel free to reach out and yeah just chat to us but like yeah i think from now on till further notice uh Garmin in reaches the way to, to get in touch with us. Um, so yeah, let us let us know. Um, yeah, we we appreciate any comments and feedback. Um, but yeah, on social media, we might be a bit slow to reply. 
And yeah, we'll be back next week for another episode uh, where we will talk a bit more about St. Helena. And I feel like we've got so many things. I already have my head so many episodes that we could talk about, not just about St. Helena, but about just the whole experience that, uh, yeah, we'll keep making episodes every week. <laughs> okay. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Bye. Bye.